0: Welcome to Building with Brick, foundational wisdom on coaching, careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's D-R-J-O-E Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome back to Building with Brick, foundational wisdom on coaching careers in Christ. My guest for part three of our (laughs) session, Chris Godfrey, former NFL All-Pro. He uh, was a starting guard on starting right guard on the New York Giants Super Bowl team, Super Bowl champion. Chris, before the break, we had talked a lot about football but I'd, I'd like to kind of change gears a little bit and start talking about your faith and how that influenced you. I know you, you told us a little bit earlier that after you got cut the third time in about 12 months, you just dropped to your knees and said, okay, I'm done, it's up to you. And, and the Lord responded. How about after that? I mean, was faith always a big part of your life?
1: Well, I was born and raised in a Catholic family and went to Catholic schools. Very fortunate that my parents did that for me. But I kind of took my faith for granted, you know, treated it almost like a coin in the pocket. You know, there it is, yeah, but I'm I'm not putting it in the currency uh, in any meaningful sort of a way. Any decisions were basically decisions that I wanted rather than really following what God wanted. they really taking that seriously it started to get tested in, in college when you're, when I was faced with, you know, people living in different ways than I was accustomed to. And I think what I learned in college was, in a good way, ambition, right? All of a sudden, oh, your grades matter, right? And that was almost like a, you know, a point of honor that you get good grades. Or all of a sudden, I'm really getting pushed athletically. There are other guys that are really big and strong. and good football players too, from other parts of the country. And um, was I just going to, well, how was I going to respond to that? And so I just worked hard, did all those sorts of things, but it was really still me. And God withheld from me certain things that a player played like I did, could have enjoyed. Like I was having a career game in a Rose Bowl and then I injured my knee early in the game. Right? I was, oh gosh, would have won the first round. <laughs> but and and I look back now, all of those setbacks, uh, not getting maybe what you could have gotten, uh, maybe that things that could have been your due if you'd been treated more fairly or whatever it might be, all put me in a position to really get the best thing that any of us could ever get out of life which was you know, the fulfillment of our relationship with with jesus and um which is the center of the faith that i learned as a kid but it was kind of like realizing oh yeah all that stuff is true <laughs> imagine that and so god and in his infinite kindness and goodness brought me to my knees and um made that happen i had to choose it but you had to be a dummy to real, uh, not to choose our Lord and trying to do something different than what you've been doing because it wasn't working for me. And football, football, the intensity of playing sports, and particularly football, you use your body or your mind, everything, kitchen sink. And um, you hold nothing back if you're trying to be successful. And as a guy, you give it your very best shot and you keep giving it your best shot and it's not good enough. Keep looking for something else. And I realized then that something was missing. One of the things that uh, early on, after falling to my knees and saying that prayer and getting an instant response and getting the team back, getting my job back within the hour, that got my attention. But one of the uh, a reading um, in the Bible that I'd start to read the Bible said the rosary would go to mass uh, during the week when I could. Uh, I think this may be only on my day off had another kind of an experience that cemented the reality of my faith and the reality of God's closeness to me. But the one passage that just jumped off the page at me was Matthew 6:33, And it says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And that told me was I needed to put first things first, do things God's way and all these other things, making the team, being successful, all of that will take care of itself. And it's really one of God's promises, you know, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. And so I tried to uphold my end of it as best I could. Not that I was perfect, but, uh, I was trying really for the first time ever. And, but for that, and when we came, when we got these super, super bowl rings after the 86 season, there I, I, uh, actually
0: put that up there.
1: (laughs) All right, here we go. Where's the camera at here? All right. Sweet. (laughs) <laughs> so this is a reminder to me that God keeps his promises, Matthew six thirty three. all these things will be added to you. And I'm not saying that everybody's going to get a diamond Super Bowl ring out of the deal. Okay, but we'll get the sort of thing that we need to be the persons that we were created to be, to be happy, which is what we're all after. And without our relationship with God, we're not going to be there. We're going to find that even Super Bowl rings wear off after a while. So how many seasons is we were we were Super Bowl twenty one? Where are we up to now? Fifty something? <laughs> oh, so you want a you want a Super Bowl? Oh, Ho hum. Right? <laughs> and and unfortunately, you know, people kind of find out that you know Super Bowl rings carry you so far. Maybe you can take you as far as opening a nice restaurant in your name or car dealership. But even those things they're fading. They fade too. Yeah, and what's absolutely. what's left at the end of the day? Anyways, I, I experienced that, uh, that God keeps his promises and Matthew six thirty three was something that I held on to. and it continues to rear its beautiful head in my life. Like, oh yeah, I got to remember that, got to remember that. It still applies. We're still in the game here. Okay. Might be in the third or fourth quarter, but we're still in the game and it's not over until it's over. So that was a lot of really neat things happened uh, where God early on just cemented that commitment. And one of them was um, when I was in Green Bay after I got my job back and I'm on IR and I went to Mass on a, you know, 7 a.m. at a nearby church, you know, in, in this little chapel with a bunch of old ladies. But the night before, I had this dream where I was a, a combat GI in, in, in Vietnam. To make a long story short, I was in a position where I was kind of caring for a couple of kids who were away from their family, but there's enemy gunfire was over everybody's head on this beach or whatever. And I kind of helped them get reoriented and I woke up going, wow, that was really a weird dream. So I go to Mass and the priest gives a homily talking about how th- there's a community of Hmong people, There are Laotians, who were displaced because they were helpful to Americans who were on the American side. And when the, the, when the Kong took back the territory, they were all had bullseyes on them. So we took them over and a number of them had settled in Green Bay. And the priest was talking about how they were in need of a lot of help. And I said, wow, and I just had that dream. Imagine that. And so one thing led to another. I ended up kind of befriending a, a couple of families in the area and spent my off seasons, you know, or that, that off season, you know, doing simple things, teaching the boys how to run past patterns and helping mom with this or that, and that kind of a thing. And so little things like that would strengthen my faith and the commitment that I had to the point where it's like. At one point, people would think, oh, you're a Christian or whatever. I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> why not? <laughs> it's, it's it's the only sane position, really, you know? And I know early on, some of my buddies you know, got mad that I didn't do some of the things they would like me to have done with them or something, Or but they all turned out to be pretty strong Christians themselves later in life, too. So God gets to all of us on his time. But um, yeah, so I don't I don't think anything un, unusual about it at all. In fact, the world has gotten to the point now where it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm doggone grateful for that, that I have an idea of what, what's going on and who I am, where I'm going, where I came from, all of those things. I'm not lost. So I, I, I don't have that kind of tinge of embarrassment that maybe new believers have, like, oh, I'm a Christian now, or I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of less manly or something like that. Geez, furthest thing from it, right? So, so very, very grateful that I was uh, at a young age. Didn't seem so young at the time. You know, probably felt a little like Saint Augustine. You know, late have I loved thee, <laughs> the ripe old age of still in my twenties. But, um, but what what a what a blessing! And you know, certainly, wouldn't have the wife that I have and the beautiful family that I had now if I had stayed on the road that I was on. You know, it's all it's all been good, all been good.
0: You mentioned your wife was a cheerleader for the Michigan Michigan football team, was it? Was yeah,
1: the with the Michigan uh, Wolverines. Yes.
0: Was she a strong Christian when, when she her in college
1: yes, yes, in the in the sense that she went to church and she's uh, a Ukrainian uh right Catholic so uh they they have the Byzantine liturgy and I'm very, very grateful to have been introduced to that because of the the, the reverence and all of that uh, that was a part of it. At least we you know at least twice a year when we would fulfill our command performances of going to mass with her mother <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we had to drive 3 hours through a blinding snowstorm kids had fevers but we had to be there on christmas eve right <laughs> i've
0: been there on that one <laughs>
1: So, um, yes, in in that regard. But no, I remember sending her a couple of letters back when this was going on in Green Bay, you know, this new orientation. And she she was getting a little nervous, you know. And and I remember having a conversation with her and we're engaged and stuff going through all of this. And when I talked to her once about what was going on, I can you know, a lot of a lot of women could have gotten upset, right? I mean, you're lessening your commitment towards me in the sense that you're seeing the world in a different way and not quite sure how this is going to settle down. And I thought, should I be a priest? You know, that's kind of a normal thing. Young guy gets religious fervor. Is that what's going on? I don't know. And I was going through a really um, strong period of discernment, and I remember talking to her one evening about that, and her response. The way that she responded convinced me that she was the one for me because she, you know, she had so much wisdom and it was to the point where I said, yeah, I can't live without that. She was a, a strong Christian and a lot of, lot of, uh, beautiful virtues. Um, and I've l- learned a lot from her over these, these years, which is what marriage is, right? Kind of make each other better.
0: Yeah. You got a, a nice family. Do you not, do you have is five kids? You have six. Six. Are there any still at home with you guys?
1: No. They well, one is uh, finishing up his senior year in in college. Hmm. Okay, so he's technically you know dependent now. Come April fifteenth, but we don't see too much of him except on breaks and things of that sort. And they we have a couple of people living um, in the uh, in the area with their kiddos, which is nice. And so we always, we never really have an empty nest. Just when we think things are getting quiet, somebody comes back and is visiting or they stay for a while and then it's all good. So we have, um, just had our eighth grandchild. So all kinds of oh, wow. stuff going on.
0: That is great. I mean, a little bit about maybe some of the sacrifices that your wife had to make while you were playing football and then have, have there been any other sacrifices that she's made since? You know, you went back to law school, you've done different things since then. Are, are there things that she contributed that people just wouldn't even think about?
1: And let me, the couch, all of this by saying that she loves football. Mm. So that really helped, yeah. right? A lot of, you know, some guys, their wives don't share that love and they, it's hard for them to understand. So. My wife liked football and understood it. In fact, it was it was not unusual for me to come home after the game and maybe watch a tape replay. At the end of the game, Dottie would say, "Oh, you guys should have done this or that or the other thing." Or her her take on the game. I'll be dong gone if Parcells didn't say the same thing the next morning. So so that's all good. So she it, it helped her. I remember our uh, we had we had a, a coach. Uh, good guy, uh, Johnny Parker, weight and conditioning guy uh, from down south, has a good sense of humor. He's still, <laughs> I bumped into him not too long ago, he's over at Ball State where my son was playing. So yeah, I remember Daddy coming out to the airport to greet <laughs> to greet, <laughs> greet the team at two in the morning with all three or four little ones in tow carrying your bags. <laughs> And she'd be the only one there, so all of that was good, but she'll give me uh, the business because we lived in uh, an older home in Northern New Jersey uh, that didn't have air conditioning, okay? The hottest, and New Jersey's a fairly humid place in July and August. Is it? So it's very uncomfortable, yeah. I guess maybe that's why they call it the garden state, But she used to talk about me going off to training camp and all the air conditioned rooms and dorms and all that. Well, she stayed behind in the unair conditioned home. So that was probably the hardest part of it for her. But she. She did, you know, did a really nice job, you know, helping and supporting me. Probably the worst thing I ever did was forget my rain cleats. You know, we had different kind of cleats for the AstroTurf for rain and, and I left them home, didn't bring them to the stadium and we were jumping on the bus to head to Philadelphia for a game and I gave her a call, hon, can you bring me my cleats? And, <laughs> and there was a, a Rutgers game that, and the guy slowed her down enough. So she couldn't get them to me in time. So she had to turn around. to drive all the way to Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. I bought her wow. dinner, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, probably one of the more, um, tougher things, um, was going to law school because that's that was a big commitment. So we looked for a house where that would have a quiet place for me to study. And we couldn't find one. I didn't want to be at the law school library all night. Away from we had four little ones at the time, uh, so we ended up have, buying some landing and having a, a house built. as a new subdivision and uh, building out a space in the attic, and um, and so that's in fact I'm sitting in it right now. So this is where I began our stay here thirty years ago, studying law books. Uh, but I was you know couldn't hear the kids cry, and but I would I was close by if really I needed to be. But that was probably the hardest thing for her was having me around but not around. But she was uh, very supportive of all of the those times in life when I wasn't as around as much. But like I said, she she likes football and she liked South Bend. And uh, when I talked about moving after graduating, she would kind of tear up. My dad taught me if Mom's not happy, nobody's happy. So he stayed. That's right. And it's been a great place. You know, it was it, was, it wasn't a busy place. It was easy to get the kids around and keep them active in different things. And so. You know, a lot of give and take, I suppose, back and forth, but, um, that's what makes life worth living.
0: Well, I, I applaud you for, uh, you know, staying in a place, I mean, you could have gone anywhere after you got your degree, your law degree, you could have gone anywhere, but it sounds like you put family first. And, and again, it was the right thing to do, take the next right step. And that's something you and I have talked about a lot in the past, taking that next right step. Just briefly, I want to, I want to talk about this because the next session, I want to get into it a lot deeper. You are an author and I showed folks this book before it's that's where I live, a guide to good relationships. Where could someone purchase this book?
1: Oh, they could purchase it from us. Go to lifeathletes.org, the website. But if you're interested, you could always just shoot me an email, if you'd like, uh, and send it to uh, chris at lifeathletes.org. And I'll put it into the hands of our fulfillment person, and we'll get it out to you. Um, The cost is $8.95, and there's a little bit of a shipping and handling charge with it. Very proud of the book in the sense that after having spoken to assemblies of kids and all the rest, you have 40 minutes to give a talk and, and hopefully make a dent. But I always wanted to have an opportunity to spend a little bit more time with them to build a stronger foundation upon which our life athletes' commitment rests. The curriculum allowed me to do that. It did put me in a whole different realm of dealing with administrators and teachers and fielding excuses <laughs> why we're not going to do this or can't do this. It was kind of made me realize that maybe that's why God put a football player, gave a football player that job because it got knocked down quite a bit and uh, had to deal with quite a, quite a lot of garbage. But but it was really a a fight that was worth it and especially now as we're living in the times that we are and we realize just what a bad move not taking the sanctity of life more seriously and just how it's so linked to the evil and so uh, how empowering it is for all that's wrong in our world never too late to change course, but being asleep at the switch the way that we were, uh, we're we're paying uh, the price for that now and all the broken lives and relationships. And that's why I called it a guide to good relationships because that's where it all begins, you know, the relationship between a man and a woman, husband and wife. So that's what we get into in the book and and I draw upon a lot of the, you know, the lessons I learned in sports and, but not, it's not a sportsman's book. And, you know, a lot of people that are trying to fight me on the life issues would play that card. Oh, it's just for athletes. No, it's not just for athletes. I mean, we're all made up of two things. You know, we're made up of talent and we're made up of heart. Our talent's God given. We have no say in that, that's why we can't brag about it, right? But our hearts are something we make for ourselves that we can take credit for. And Life Athletes is a fellowship of the heart. And everything that we do can be boiled down to what we call the Life Athletes Commitment. At the end of the day, we have a sports camp or curriculum or a talk or a video, whatever it might be. We invite our audience to join us, 300 professional Olympic athletes, in making the Life Athletes Commitment. And there are four points to it. I'll try to do what's right, even when it's difficult. I'll give myself only to that special person who I marry as my partner for life. I'll respect the lives of others, especially the unborn and the aged, and I won't quit or make excuses when I fail. I'll try again. And that last point's really important because we've all dropped the ball and we're likely going to drop it again in the future, but the key is not to give up. As you know, any good coach will tell you the only difference between winners and losers is that a winner gets up again after they lose. They don't stay down. And so we don't stay down either. We're going to we're gonna make mistakes, but we're going to get back up. And that's our commitment. Okay, not just going to wallow in and say, oh, woe is me, I'll never be any good. I mean, that's what the devil wants you to do is to get, give up and get yourself out of the game. Okay, and so um, our hope is to encourage others to realize the importance of good relationships to their own happiness You're doing it for yourself if you want to put it that way because the super bowl rings the good jobs your favorite meal all of that stuff the happiness that those produce is fleeting but the relationships will last forever because saint paul says only three things last forever faith hope and love and love can only be found in relationships and uh, that's why relationships are so important
0: You know, I'd really like to get into this in uh, in the next session and tell us, you know, how you went about writing the book, uh, who you originally targeted and has it gone elsewhere beyond those people that maybe you targeted and then talk about life athletes too. and, And, you know, who's in that, what's your, your role as president. Talk about some of those things in the next session, if that's all right. Sure. All right. We'll be back in a minute.